You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. In 1885, Nathaniel Mayer Rothschild became one of the UK's and indeed the world's first impact investment managers when he established a fund that promised to provide uh, commodious and healthy dwellings for the working class in East London, as well as a 4% return for investors. And due to the impact of COVID-19 on uh, the South African economy and uh, particularly the poor and vulnerable, uh, the value of impact investing has been amplified and investors now realize that the integral role uh, it has to play as part of their investment portfolio has now reached an urgent level. This is according to uh, Impact Investing South Africa, who've compiled a report uh, not only highlighting the importance of impact investing in South Africa, uh, but also providing valuable insights into the measurement and management practice of impact investments uh, in the country. The report, titled Making Better Decisions, Impact Measurement and Management in South Africa, was launched recently, and it's a product of a specialized uh, Impact Investing South Africa working group, which is led by the WIT Centre for Learning on Evaluation and Results, uh, CLEAR, and the UCT Bertha Centre for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship uh, at the UCT Graduate School of Business. Well, to talk about the report's findings, I'm joined now by Dr. Susan DeWitt, co-lead uh, secretariat for Impact Investing South Africa at the Bertha Centre. And uh, I'm also joined now uh, by Dugan Fraser, who uh, is a director of the Centre for Learning on Evaluation and Results inside the Faculty of Commerce, Law and Management at WITS, and Elias Masilela, the chairperson of Impact Investing SA, National Planning Commissioner and former CEO of the Public Investment Corporation. Susan, this concept of impact investing is a theme whose time has come for Africa, it seems, and it was already on the rise thanks to the Sustainable Development Goals. It, it was a major component of uh, the local private equity and VC conference at Spear last year. And now COVID has pressed the turbo boost button, it seems. Let's just take a step back. How do we define impact investing? What's different when we talk about impact investing versus things like responsible investing or ESG or all of these acronyms doing the rounds in this space? Well, let me talk a little bit about that terminology. Um, I think probably the more important question that you pulled forward is this um, the, the, the reason for the practice. And um, I think um, Elias can talk extremely eloquently about that. Um, but the, the terminology itself, um, as outlined in the report, is we're, we're, we're very much sort of reliant on uh, accepted global definitions and classification systems. Um, uh, so when we talk about uh, responsible or sustainable investment, these definitions being driven internationally by organizations like PRI, the Global Reporting Initiative, um, the TCFD, and locally by the, the Financial Sector Conduct Authority, by a CISA, you're talking about practices which essentially mitigate risk by ensuring that you're looking after environment, social, and governance practices. Um, when you talk about impact investing, which makes up a far smaller um, percentage of the market, you're looking towards driving investment into businesses, enterprises, initiatives that deliberately uh, 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 drive social or environmental outcomes. So you are uh, essentially building a business model which addresses one of the UN Sustainable Development Goals or more locally a national development plan. And I think it's somewhat blurry um, because impact investing is a, a strategy, it's not an asset class. Um, it, it spans asset classes and it spans the risk return spectrum. 
So you could be looking at commercial returns or sub-commercial returns. And uh, that's a very um, interesting point that because very often when investors look at the baseline, Elias, to bring you in here, you would anticipate that the baseline for ESG is that your commercial returns are covered and then below that then you are at least seeing some form of net positive impact uh, through that uh, particular investment. How do you view impact investing and the opportunities uh, through a South African lens where we know there is such dire need? Uh, there's need for education, there's need for social housing, there's need for uh, a range of uh, various uh, interventions across the socio-economic spectrum. I'm glad you started the way you did because the, the concept of impact investing is actually what I would call a new emphasis in investment philosophies, which does exactly what ESG does, but the key difference is that cha it changes the sequencing of decision-making. The classical or the traditional investor, when he walks into the boardroom, he asks the two questions that an impact investor would be asking, but in a different order. He will ask the question, how do I maximize my profit? And after he's answered that question, he will then ask, how do I meet ESG? Whereas an impact investor goes into the boardroom with asking the primary question as, what is the change that I want to bring to the environment in which I operate, to the society within which I operate? Once they have established what change they want to bring about, they then ask a second order question. How do I optimize return in that regard? And I think the operative term here is optimize, not maximize, because the impact investor is not thinking about maximizing profit at all costs at the shortest possible time. It's making sure that he's able to bring about change whilst generating sound return over a number of generations. I'll leave you with the point, just thinking about the definition of the concept of impact investing, which was a beautiful summary from a former boss of mine, Temba Kametze, who said after having presented to the GPF board, he says, so Elias, this, is this what you're telling us? Just let, let me just uh, make sure that I understand you well. Are you saying, ESG is equal to do no harm. And impact is equal to do good, which means one is deliberate about doing good, the other realizes good through a process, but does not go into the investment process with the intention to do good. I'm glad you, le you left it at that point because for my money, uh, no pun intended. Where I see ESG and impact starting to overlap is that very often the kind of impact that you've just described is uh, flipping those questions on their head and saying, first, you know, what impact can the investment make and then what returns will I make has almost been a philanthropic approach uh, to say, how can I change society? What we're seeing now, and Dugan to bring you in from this report, is that we're starting to see a lot more institutional capital play in the space that was traditionally earmarked for philanthropies. Is that fair? Well, I think there's been a big shift in the way business understands its role in the world over the last 20 years. And I think it starts to reflect in the ways impacts in the environment are calculated, 
And I think a particular business philosophy, which kind of really, as Elias was saying, wanted to kind of maximize returns, is giving way to an understanding that we operate in a networked society where impacts in one space have effects throughout the system. And so I think that there is an increasing awareness of the fact that long-term risks need to take account of these domino effects. And so what you're calling philanthropic, I would consider to be good long-term investment strategies that are trying to understand the effects of the long-term consequences. So, you know, we often see them environmentally, but if one was to understand the COVID experience as a consequence of poor decision-making around the natural systems in which we operate and the absolutely catastrophic effects those have had economically, then we start to shift our mindset and we start to understand the world in different ways. So if we can say COVID is a foretaste of the kind of consequences we can expect as a result of climate change, then we start thinking to ourselves, well, impact investing really is essential. It's not philanthropic or do-goodery. It's mm. an essential way of understanding economics. It's an essential way of guiding our investment decision-making. And it's an essential way of understanding the future of our species. This is deep stuff, and it really does need to relate to the way people make their choices when allocating investments. So that's a kind of long-term change that I think we're trying to provide people tools with. Um, because when you are wanting to understand how you measure the results achieved in one space against the results achieved in another, those are really challenging questions. And what the report does is it starts to frame what the tools are available to people, how they can be provided in a South African context. And it's, as we said before uh, we started, this is the beginning of a conversation. Um, and it's in some ways, it's an attempt to start to converge good practices locally with what's going on globally. May I just add mm. to that slightly? Mm. Just think about the philanthropic angle. There's another clean angle of thinking about it from a microeconomic point of view, where the distinction between what used to be so-called social goods on the one side and economic goods on the other almost no longer exists. These are now goods that belong under one basket. They are all seen as inputs into the production process. So theoretically, in the past, we would always, we would always thought that infrastructure was the responsibility of government power roads and all such water and all such related infrastructure but today those are key and part and parcel of an investment process there is no investor in south africa today that thinks of investing without thinking of investing in energy even if it's backup energy in investing in security in investing in education of its people or of its staff. So in a way, we have shifted away from thinking about the social interventions as being philanthropic, but as important investment decision making for any process. Just to add on to that point, though, it is, it is a sad indictment, though. I'm sure many corporate executives would turn around and say, we've had to take that into our investment decision making framework uh, perhaps slightly begrudgingly because the taxes that companies and individuals are paying over uh, to build the infrastructure to provide quality education 
are, are not um, uh, providing such outcomes. They're, they're either stolen uh, or we've seen very inefficient allocation of capital by state-owned uh, enterprises. But uh, I just want to add on the uh, Susan, to to the point about um, uh, what we're seeing in terms of best practice and, and the pioneers in impact investing in South Africa and to come back to what the report finds there. What are the, the so-called pioneers uh, of impact investing doing? What do they share as best practice that perhaps other practitioners can learn from? Um, I think also sort of building on your um, point, Michael, about companies entering into this space begrudgingly, I really would like to call out the pioneers because whereas this could be seen as an additional um, cost that potentially doesn't add value, I think you're finding that organizations are, are able to use these kind of foundational tools and frameworks to cap actually capture business value. Uh, and to be able, from say a fund manager perspective, to raise a, a, a more diverse um, uh, um, uh, capital from, from a, a different set of investors, um, as well as having a, you know, um, a, a strategy around uh, addressing these kinds of development issues. And so those organizations that are pioneering are pulling ahead in terms of value creation. Um, the, the, the number that we, that we mentioned in the report, and there, there are six um, uh, cases in the report, include um, the uh, Old Mutual um, and their um, African Infrastructure Investment uh, Management team. Old Mutual has been a pioneer in this space, both in terms of ESG and their impact frameworks. There's 27.4 who've been using, uh, you know, this, this uh, quite advanced strategies around their Black Business Growth Fund. Um, Patisa, who is an impact investor um, and who have just been verified uh, against the IMM practice by the IFC. So lots of front runners. The buckets that we pull out in the report are around four aspects, and you'll find these in many of the frameworks. They're around intentional goal setting, measuring progress, managing against the information that you're collecting and then reporting. Um, in, in most uh, geographies, including ours, uh, the initial, um, that initial bucket, i.e. goal setting, tends to be stronger than the other three. So you'll find that quite a few funds are uh, sort of setting their objectives to be able to achieve um, uh, development goals. The measuring process has become easier and easier over time as more kind of frameworks and technology have become available to be able to do that. Um, factoring... Uh, Impact into decision making is a more sophisticated pr uh, process, and we're seeing the front runners, you know, such as Sunlum, being able to sort of demonstrate that they're doing so, not just uh, using it in their diligence, but also using it around their ongoing allocation decisions. And then finally, when it comes to reporting, um, I think that reporting is still relatively weak. Um, I think we have uh, mainly voluntary reporting uh, you know, in South Africa, especially in the, in the private markets. Um, and uh, what we're finding is that companies are not reporting impact uh, alongside their financial performance. And really the, mm. the, the, the gold standard that, that, uh, that we think is going to have a lot of impact is both uh, releasing regular public-facing reports, not just case studies or anecdotes, but also you know, being able to demonstrate that value is created um, by, uh, you know, achieving these 
uh, social environmental outcomes as well as this optimization of profits. One thing COVID-19 has done is accelerated a whole range of uh, issues from the digital adoption inside business to, to new ways of doing things to impact investing and uh, the uh, need to address things like uh, unequal access to basic infrastructure when it comes to education. We've seen how um, those uh, in the leafy suburbs were able to continue learning while those uh, in uh, the informal settlements of South Africa didn't have access uh, to uh, Microsoft Teams or any of that IT or cloud infrastructure uh, were certainly um, hampered as a result of it. It's just one example, Dugan, that, that, that has really come to the fore thanks to COVID-19. We're talking about this issue from a measurement and management perspective though, and I, I suppose the challenge here is uh, for companies who are getting involved, uh, investors who are, are uh, using pension fund money, who are investing in the space, they need to report to stakeholders to say these are the impacts, there needs to be a clear framework. What are the challenges uh, to developing this clear framework and to accurately measure and manage impact investing? If we think about how long it took us to come up with some standard reporting frameworks for the financial end of things, which really did take a good century, it's understandable that it's taking people a long time to get their heads around how to report on the results. And it's getting agreement on what you mean by particular terms. It's developing a set of metrics that people can apply in different contexts. And it's really coming to some agreements and applying them across different spaces and in different um, uh, ways. And it's that conversation that we are really trying to get going through the release of this report. Um, and it's, it's very um, predictable that there would be definitional constraints. But there are, as Susan was saying earlier, a number of very helpful frameworks that are emerging globally. There's some good practices. There's various mechanisms that are in place. The, Iris and Iris Plus mechanisms, and particularly, um, I know there's a lot of skepticism around the Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs, but they do in fact provide a very helpful conceptual framework that we can link particular kinds of products and services and interventions into. And those are the things that we are really trying to get a South African conversation around. And that's going to be a sustained process. We're wanting to see how we can get people on board, how we can link people around sharing definitions, about putting in place the metrics. And I think more than anything, to get people to commit to this, to understanding that when you talk about an impact investment, you are agreeing to talk about the results as well as the money, so that you can be able to say how many you know, how many students have benefited from your investment in a, in a private school and what did that mean? Did, did a job in one sector have the same impact as a job in another sector? And so yeah. it's quite a foundational uh, phase that we're in right now. And you'll gather that from the report itself, which mm -hmm. really tries to understand where people are at, what they're doing and map forward a way ahead. And one of the things we're wanting to do is to be very inclusive and to curate the South African experiences in a way that allows us to learn from good practice and apply the international models locally. So it's a great moment and the report is intended to help people all start looking in the same direction, face frontwards and to get some momentum going. And one of the things we're really trying to do is to just good, get a, a dialogue going 
which um, if people are interested, they should follow up on the report on, on uh, either on the CLEAR website or the Bertha um, uh, portal and join us. We wanted to get a good um, mailing list together. We wanted to get a newsletter going that draws all of the various content that's happening all over South Africa, which varies, as you say, from philanthropy right through to bare knuckles investors and to get people on board and get this process rolling. And uh, Elias, if you look at it, uh, we are playing um, a leadership role globally. If you look at Impact Investing South Africa, uh, it's playing a role at the Global Steering Group uh, Impact Summit uh, last year. We spoke about that. Uh, and there is an opportunity here to unlock uh, a lot of, to Susan's earlier point, different sources of capital that can help fund infrastructure from DFIs to, to green funds to sovereign wealth funds. What do you see as the big opportunity in the impact investing space uh, as we round off this uh, discussion? We've got about four minutes left. If the opportunity we're looking at is to get us to the end state that we've defined in the National Development Plan at the domestic level, and at the SDG level, if you're thinking at the global level, the key for us in investing in that infrastructure that is going to take everybody from the fringes to the core of the economy and get everybody gainfully employed. And the key between those two initiatives, NDB and, 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 and SDG, was that we need to invest in a way that we close the inequality gaps. When the heads of state in New York agreed on the SDGs, they observed that inequality is our biggest risk globally, both for capital and for the existence of governments in the way in which we understand them. So if you think about an end state and you want uh, to get to that end state, I'll leave you with an analogy that says, if, if, if impact is the rocket, that's going to get us to that end state then measurement is the navigation system. On the issue of measurement, Susan, how does one measure uh, a slightly more nebulous or, or difficult to measure concept such as outcomes from investing in basic education or early childhood development centers because they are by their nature very long lead time investments. You're only going to tell whether or not that investment made uh, into uh, a six or a, or a seven year old has paid off after a, a good 12, 13 years. If, if that. So, so how does one start to build a framework for um, measuring that will satisfy all of these stakeholders? Well, I think this is really sort of Clear's um, wheelhouse. Um, and just to get sort of back to basics, we're looking at a theory of change. And we don't go directly from intervention to impact. We move through a series of activities to outputs to proxy outcomes, to outcomes, to impact. In other words, those steps earlier um, in the kind of logic model are, are good kind of um, markers on the road towards achieving impacts. And you use those to, as to Elias's point, to, to navigate, to tweak, um, to adapt to kind of current realities such as COVID or, or, or climate. So we're, we're rooted in, in in evaluation methodology, which has a very long history and is being applied in the investment sphere, um, really um, mm. be to, to upgrade the investment ecosystem to be fit for purpose. 
um, and that is for the benefits of, of, of all of us, uh, people and planet. One last point, and Elias, as a National Planning Commissioner, with that hat on at the moment, just recently chatting to Minister Barbara Creasy about the, the country's uh, low emissions development strategy, which uh, is an intent to be net uh, carbon zero by 2050, but does at, at a very high level seem to try and draw in the national development plan, the sustainable development goals, and provide some short, medium and long-term uh, uh, ways of getting there. How does that uh, feed into the impact investing conversation? They all tie up together because the fundamental basis of impact investing is about thinking long-term. And that means doing things in a sustainable way that ensures that you deliver the economy that you want to deliver to future generations. And the concept of um, the one that you've just been talking about fits very squarely into this uh, thinking. Elias uh, Masilela, the Chair of Impact Investing South Africa, thank you very much, who's joined by Dr. Susan DeWitt, Co-Lead Secretariat for Impact Investing South Africa at the Bertha Centre for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship inside UCT's Graduate School of Business, and Dugan Fraser, Director of the Centre for Learning on Evaluation and Results inside the Faculty of Commerce, Law and Management at WITS, talking about uh, investing in impact in South Africa. Capital goes where it grows and impact shows.